0: You know, it's pretty hard not to walk into a chain room and you've got the likes of Jonah Lomu and Christian Cullen, Tana Umo, and Jerry Collins, these guys, just to, to sort of not uh,
1: get a bit like, whoa. Hello and welcome to the Off-Field Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moilet. I'm a former Irish age-grade international player, now playing in Vancouver and coaching collegiate rugby. Each week, I chat with somebody involved at the top end of the game to hear about their journey, get their insights, and learn about how they do what they do. On Instagram, I'm the Offfield Rugby Coach. That's at offfieldrugby. Please follow me there. I share content around mental skills and performance, and also clips from the pod. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. And in the review, let me know what you like about the podcast. Would love to hear your thoughts. Lastly, please share the pod with some friends. Those different things help people find the pod and are really, really appreciated. Today's pod is with Jimmy Goppert, who is currently playing with Wasps in the Gallagher Premiership. In 2017, Jimmy was named Premiership Player of the Season and has also won the Golden Boot three times in that league two of which he won during his time at Newcastle Falcons. Jimmy has also played with Leinster, the Auckland Blues and the Hurricanes. We talk about his time at each club, why he made those certain moves, what he enjoyed at the different places that he played and what he wasn't too fond of. And he talks about how it felt walking into the Hurricanes dressing room as a young lad just after signing his first pro contract and seeing John Lomu. Tana Umanga, and other legends of the game, and what it was like playing with them. Jimmy talks about growing up on a farm in New Zealand and how, in his teenage years, he began to make sacrifices because he knew then that he wanted to become a professional rugby player. There are some great lessons in here for any young player on what it takes to be your best self and to get into a professional setup. He also talks about what he gets up to outside of rugby, and how this helps him mentally stay fresh and find balance in life, which I think a lot of young players often don't have and don't understand the importance of. He talks about nerves and how he processes them, how he interacts with coaches, and why he gave up on his childhood dream of being an All Black. We also chat about the Jimmy G tea, which is the kicking tee that Jimmy has used for pretty much all of his career and is now selling. There is a nice story about how it came about also. Along with this, outside of playing, he also coaches grassroots and coaches young players on place kicking through the Jimmy G Kicking Academy on Instagram, which we talk about. And there's so much more in this episode and so many learnings for any young player. Although, you wouldn't know from watching him play, Jimmy is 38 now. So, he has lots of experiences to draw on and he's brilliant in sharing those here. So, a quick word from our sponsor and then it's episode number 21 with Jimmy Goppert. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you. And so you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. So how was uh, growing up in NZ in New Plymouth?
0: Yeah, it was awesome, mate. Um, obviously, it's, a, it's an awesome place to live. Uh, coastlines right there and mountains. So you get the best of both, both worlds, really. Um, so I was mad into my, my fishing, my surfing and, and skiing. And, and then obviously, you've got the rugby. And it's just a good um, outdoor lifestyle, which is really cool.
1: You can ski nearby?
0: Yeah, it's literally, from where I live, it's like 30, 30 40 minutes away. And oh. then you can go and ski in the morning go surfing in the afternoon if you want.
1: Oh, that's sick. Yeah, I knew there was a bit of skiing down in NZ, but um, but yeah, that's sick. It was so close. And you mentioned surfing there. I see on in your Instagram you still do a little bit, or you still try and surf when you can?
0: Yeah, mate, I try and get out as much as I can. It's pretty hard. Where we are in uh, in the Midlands, we're literally, I think it's geographically the middle of uh, England. So it's pretty far away. Yeah. About two and a half hours to the nearest uh, nearest coast. So, yeah, the surfing's taken a bit of a back track, which uh, the back seat, which is
1: uh, yeah, it's not uh, not ideal. Because I do love it. Yeah, yeah. and um, what else do you get up to outside of rugby? Play with the golf.
0: Yeah, obviously with no surfing, I've got into golf quite a bit. Um, really enjoy it. We've got lots of guys here that play, and uh, so that keeps the competition uh, going without amongst the lads.
1: Who's the best on the team?
0: uh i've got that one at the moment oh yeah yeah
1: what do you play <laughs> off
0: uh, i think i'm around six at the moment oh nice one so yeah i
1: enjoy it i'm pretty uh pretty obsessed with it at the moment yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's one of those sports where if you kind of want to be decent you got to kind of keep at it don't you oh you do
0: mate and summer's good here because we've got real long hours so you know we're always out after preseason. Preseason's pretty short and sharp, so uh, normally out of there by sort of midday, so we can get out in the afternoon and play lots. And but now the snows hit, so uh,
1: I don't think there'll be much golfing going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And um, you mentioned preseason there. What's the what's the schedule like? Say in season, do you get like a day off during the week, or how how long are you in, or how does that work?
0: Yeah, so for example, this week, so we played Friday night, um, just gone. So we got the weekend off, Saturday, Sunday off. Uh, we play on Saturday against Worcester. So train today, very light, uh, very light session. You do all like your reviews, previews, um, just your walkthroughs and stuff for this for the week coming. Tomorrow um, we'll be in again. Uh, tomorrow is our fast day, so obviously you do weights today, do weights again tomorrow, and then it's about uh, running fast. Um, so lots of sort of ball and and play time um, and sort of running quick, but lots of uh, rest, so you still do your set-piece attack. And then Wednesday, so we go three days in a row. Um, So Wednesday is our tough day. Um, It's multi-phase, lots of ball and and play time. Pretty tough, pretty tough work, but you're out of there by sort of 1 o'clock. You're done and dusted. And then day off uh, Thursday, Little captain's run on
1: Friday um, and bang away on uh, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, nice. And you mentioned there like a fast day or playing fast. And I was chatting to um one of my friends who plays at Connacht 10 as well. And he was saying that they've kind of changed around things that they train the way they play. So there's much more of an emphasis on training at pace versus eight or ten years ago, you're kind of going through the motions. Is that kind of like, are your sessions a bit shorter than they would have been a few years ago?
0: Yeah, definitely, and there's a big emphasis obviously now with uh, technology. So you got GPS, so um, you know they're wanting you to hit uh, 90% um, of your max speed in certain areas of that of the training. So um, you know they really want you to move, and and you know these days, well especially us, we like to play fast. Mm. So if you're not moving fast during the week, then you know it's pretty hard to just to turn up and and run fast
1: on the weekend yeah yeah for sure and then the the heavy day is that like the wednesday is that a bit more like contact or just heavier on the legs yeah yeah mate yeah there's
0: uh, a lot more uh body on body um, contact wise because it's sort of our defense day um so attack day is more tuesday which we're running fast everyone's you know smiling on you know smiling and and sort of running through a little bit of contact and then going down whereas wednesday is your gritty day it's a um, lot more ball and play and, you know, the emphasis on defence. So there's body in front. Uh, the forwards do a lot more contact than we do as backs, which uh, we're thankful of. But, uh, yeah, they're getting pretty stuck in, mate, um, especially in units with drives and scrums, and I keep them well away from that. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, geez, you, you
1: definitely need the day off uh, after Wednesday, certainly. Yeah. And, um you mentioned the different things you are doing there growing up. Like, Where did rugby fit in? Were you always rugby mad and want to be a rugby player? Or how did that work out?
0: Yeah, obviously growing up in New Zealand, it's pretty uh, self-explanatory. You're going to be a rugby player or you're going to play rugby. So you know, as a young kid getting up, uh, watching the All Blacks if they were on tour, you get up really early in the morning or you just watch every test match, you watch your local team play. Uh, my dad was, was a player, like sort of played in the local club. Then he coached in the local club. So I was always going along, being a ball boy and um, helping out uh, with his training and stuff like that and just loved it from, uh, you know, pretty much since I could walk. Uh, I knew I was playing rugby and I got to probably, I don't know, I was about sort of 12, 13 and I sort of, you know, really wanted to take it, uh, take it seriously. And, um, you know, when I went to high school, that sort of still started kicking off when I got to about 15.
1: Yeah. And so there was a moment you kind of realized you want to make a bit of a career out of it when you're at that age, was it?
0: Yeah. It was sort of when I got to like 15, 16, when I started making some sort of uh, my national um, or some of my province teams uh, for Taranaki and, you know, playing, playing pretty high level at school, uh, playing in the first 15 um, and things like that. So yeah, I just sort of got told, you know, I had a few guys telling me, you know, you can sort of get pretty far if you, if you sort of knuckle down. And so there was um, lots of times when I was sort of 17, 18, at the end of my uh, sort of school career, I was um, sober driving a lot for the lads mm. by, uh, while they were out partying. But uh, they were the small
1: sacrifices I made um, to, to follow my dreams. Yeah and and did you find it difficult at that time like to to make those sacrifices like it's it doesn't sound easy
0: Uh yes and no but I think I had a really good friendship group that understood where I wanted to go and um I was from like I I'm from the coast which is yeah 45 minute drive into town um so it was all my coast mates would uh always go up to town on a saturday night after we play and you know someone's got to get up there so i'd drive the lads up and we'd go and, and party and i would drive them back and sort of uh, it became the the thing there for a while and um they were obviously pretty supportive because uh, they had a sober driver and yeah um you know i still enjoyed myself so that no, was all good
1: yeah good stuff and did you have any like mentors growing up like anyone have a word with you about how like far you could go or did you kind of realize all that yourself and make those decisions to be quite mature like yeah look, obviously my
0: dad was massive influence um and in how i went and he was he was never pushy he just gave me the best tools to to do what i wanted to do and you always have you know your local coaches going through the the um the system that always you know give you pretty good feedback and and you know paved the way of uh, of how it can go and everyone was just really supportive you know it's a pretty we're a pretty rural country like uh, county where we are you know in taranaki it's we're all farmers and so everyone sort of um is pretty level-headed and, and down to earth so uh, i think that upbringing really helped me just stay grounded the whole way through and just work
1: work really hard to try and achieve what i wanted to achieve yeah and then you headed down to Wellington when you finished high school, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And was that always, do you, who did you, did you support them growing up? Because I was just like kind of looking at the map and it's kind of where you grew up is kind of right between Chiefs and Hurricanes kind of county, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So when I was at Taranaki, uh, that's Hurricanes. Okay. So uh, uh, in the past sort of, I think they changed... Maybe four or five years ago, they changed. That became uh, – the Chiefs came into to Taranaki and took that region. Okay. But when I was growing up, it was always hurricanes. Um, everything was hurricanes. Uh, and, yeah, Wellington sort of contacted me about going into their academy. And, yeah, I just – I suppose you looked at the, the team sheet and who was playing for Wellington at that stage, and it was full of All Blacks and full of the stars. So it was, um, you yeah, know, an opportunity I couldn't turn down really.
1: Yeah, and how was that then going into full-time rugby with all those stars coming from a small town? Yeah,
0: it was pretty surreal. Um, yeah, it, was, uh, yeah, it was pretty hard not to walk into a chain room. You've got the likes of Jonah Lomu and Christian Cullen, Tana and Jerry Collins, these guys, just to, to sort of not uh, get a bit like, whoa, you yeah. know, this is pretty, pretty awesome. Uh but we had a really yeah, good group of young guys coming through, um, the same age, uh like myself, Piti Wepu, um, John Schwalga, Talmudy Allison, guys like that. That um yeah, it was a really good core group of young guys coming through at the same age as me. So, um, you yeah, know, we were able to to sort of sort of band together, but the uh, older guys were really, really welcoming and um really helped us um that transition of coming in.
1: Yeah. And then you played there for a couple of years and you were playing quite a bit but then decided to make the move up north to the Blues. Why Why did that come about there?
0: Or- yeah, it was just, you know, it was one of those things. It's um, it was kind of hard being sort of probably the non, only non-All Black in the, in the team all the time, like uh, in the back line. Um And, you know, one of the coaches, uh, we sort of, we, we we were, we got along really well, but then, you know, you just sort of didn't really see eye to eye for a while. So I just thought that, you know, what an opportunity to, to go and experience something different in a different province, um, and just see how, um, if that sort of brings the the hunger out to, to really trying to, um, achieve my goals. And, you know, I really enjoyed moving up to North Harbor and, uh, battling away up there and, um, yeah, you know, we had we had some uh, really good games, and obviously played in the Blues, and had some outstanding individuals in that team as well. So, got to experience a couple of different cultures within New Zealand, which was, um, I think, in the long run's been really good for me.
1: Yeah, and I can imagine the goals like back then was to be an All Black, was it?
0: Yeah, for sure. As um, I think, it's every every young kid's uh, dream to
1: to put the black jersey on. Yeah, and then you after a season with the blues headed up to headed up to Europe.
0: Yeah, it was one of those decisions. It was like it was just like so many people in the 10 shirt. Um Dan Carter, you know, obviously there for ages. Um Nick Evans had been there for a while. Um guys like Luke McAllister, so Stephen Donald I'm still floating around. Like it's it was so it was a decision that I was like, well these Dan's still really young like he's only a year or two older than me so he was going to be there for a long time so I just had a young daughter um she was just born so I thought it was a good opportunity and um to to go and sort of uh, I suppose explore the world while we while we could um and hopefully sort of the plan was only to just go for a couple of years and see how it um I suppose it can improve my rugby and then come back and and give it a really uh, good shot to try and make the All Blacks. But um, yeah, I'm still sitting there
1: right now. Yeah, yeah. I saw you got your uh, British citizenship there. Congrats! And yeah, uh...
0: no, that was pretty cool. So I thought I've been there for too long. It's something I need to uh, need to do, and um, it's just really good for the kids. Really, I suppose my son was born in Newcastle, so um, it was good to get him him uh citizenship and same with my daughter so if they if we eventually go back to new zealand and they want to come back over or you know we went home want to come back over it's just nice and
1: easy just to come straight in yeah for sure it's nice for them to have the passport and what kind of differences did you find when you moved up to newcastle like it's watching when i was watching super rugby growing up when you know you'd be playing it's a certain brand of rugby and then the uk and ireland is quite different yeah, firstly, it is freezing up, <laughs> up in Newcastle. <laughs>
0: I couldn't believe it. Like I don't know what I walked into. But, um, yeah, the rugby was really, really different. Um, and it took me a little while to get used to because a um, lot of emphasis on set piece, a lot of emphasis on defense, um, playing in the right areas, you know, with a big kicking game. It was very uh, – my first couple of years <laughs> up there was very, like, 10-man rugby. Um you know, the weather, the weather dictated a lot of that uh, with the pitches as well. Um, so it, it did make me, um, I think it made me really grow as a player. I really had to take control and, and put the guys in the right areas. And it was all about, you know, put the guys in the right areas, set piece or do the job. Uh, and then we just tick over the scoreboard if that's point, uh, you know, shots a goal or, you know, we score tries. Um, obviously it's changed a lot since yeah. I've been here. But that first few years, it was um, yeah, it was definitely an eye opener. But um, I enjoyed the challenge. I really enjoyed the challenge.
1: Yeah, and like, what did you know about say the premiership or that before you went up? Like, did you know a whole pile, or is it just have new experience and see see how it goes?
0: Yeah, not a lot really. Um, I had a quite. A, I had a few mates that played um, in we were playing in Newcastle. So Tane Tupelo was playing Obviously, I played with him in the Hurricanes um Carl Heyman um was up there as well and a few other Kiwis that I sort of knew quite well so that made the transition easier and and obviously talking to them uh, before I made the decision it, it helped um sort of just get a gauge of what I was trying to what I was about to walk into which you know it, it definitely helped myself and my family
1: of making that transition. Yeah and how was it at the start when like grown up in New Zealand, it would have been like really free flown rugby, like you say, and playing in that Hurricanes team, the Blues team. Like I can imagine how you played probably your whole life, and then to go into Newcastle at that time. Like I know you said it was a challenge, and you grew, you grew from it or because of it. But was it difficult in the moment? Did you feel kind of curtailed? Yeah, it was. It
0: was. Um... Obviously, I, you know, a lot of the guys have told me just come in and don't try and change things. Just come in and just go with the flow and because it is so different. Um, you don't want to be that guy that comes in and say, well, hang on, we do this at home and yeah. why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? Um, so yeah. I did really just come in and just sort of tried to blend in. Um, and then as time went on, I was able to sort of, um, you know, share some ideas um, of what sort of gameplay we've done and and, and certain moves and stuff like that. And it was, as I said, it was really helpful having Tane there as well because he liked to, he would just come from the similar uh, background as me. So, um, you know, we we tried to implement a a few things and it was just a bit funny because some of the boys up there just never used to yeah well what do you mean you you are yeah. gonna throw a misspass in a couple loops and <laughs> go around there it's like uh so it was quite eye opening for them as well um but yeah, it was um, I just didn't try and go in and there and think that I knew best. So I just tried to go in and and sort
1: of just learn the ropes as I was, as I was coming through yeah, that's good advice and um yeah, I can imagine there are some people thinking what do you mean you're not gonna to kick the ball we're in our twenty two that's that's what you do. <laughs>
0: yeah no there was a few
1: times I got
0: uh I was ready to run um ended up running by myself because <laughs> I've seen an opportunity and everyone's looking at me like what are we what are you doing mate yeah um
1: but I think they clicked on pretty quickly that I was uh I was more of a runner than a kicker yeah and do you find now like as a, a senior player or maybe any player does but that coaches are kind of collaborative nowadays with in a team environment with coaches players that do your coaches look for ideas from you
0: yeah definitely uh you know my coach was just texting me then just showing me different options and I was texting back talking about different options you can do this week and um it is it's really the coaches are trying to learn as much as they can off players as much as we're trying to learn off them so it's not you know, back in the day, it was like, okay, we're going to do X, Y, and Z this week, um, and that's it. Now it's like, hey, we see these opportunities. This is where we think we can attack them. Does anyone else have any ideas? Um, and then they chuck the ideas, and they're like, yeah, no, that's good. We'll put that in. So it is. It is a lot more um, sort of bouncing ideas off each other because at the end of the day, we're the ones on the field, and we need to own. Um, own own sort of the game plan Uh, because if we don't believe in it and don't own it then
1: how are we supposed to go out and perform yeah 100% and have you had that in the past where you didn't believe or some of the players didn't believe the way that you're playing oh yeah 100% yeah all the time Um,
0: it's just but it's just you shut up and got on it It was just how it was
1: if you wanted to play you just knuckled down and, and cracked on. Yeah, it's mad um thinking back the way the way it was like that and how it seems so obvious right now to like for coaches not to have egos like and just chat to the players and get their opinions, whereas yeah, ten years ago, how, how much better it could have been.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's this evolution of you now, isn't it? It's um yeah, I think thinking back to some of the players I played with um uh, you know if they
1: had more input it would have been pretty scary of how how good some of those teams could have been yeah and with uh, just kind of like being from new zealand and that it seems like there's a bit less structure definitely i think i heard Ron gar talk about the less um, emphasis on defense but do you feel that it things can be too structured and there's a there's kind of a balance there of just letting let the boys play
0: yeah, I, I think with the defenses now here, they're so like it is. The defenses are, um, you know, they're getting a lot stronger with line speed, uh, putting a lot more, pre- uh, put a lot more sort of um, your ball players under pressure, your skill set under pressure. So there is an element of you need structure to break teams down, but it's giving the guys the opportunity and the license to to play heads up rugby and play what they see within that structure. And it is really easy to play within a structure. It's not, okay, this is a structure. Um, you have to do X, Y, Z. It can be, okay, this is a structure, but if you see this opportunity, you've got this the ability to you know to run a bounce line or to, to run an overs line inside, mm. outside. You know, you can do that within a structure. The structure just allows you to keep the the ball in play for a longer time because you can look after the ball um with your clean out and etc
1: yeah so like the structure is just kind of a broad framework that people know where each other are loosely going to be versus i think a few years back was more like you hit this rock, then you hit this rock, then you go around here and then you go there and then you kick it into that corner yes yeah and how do you find um did you play all 10 before you moved up here and then even in newcastle all 10 and then you kind of start jumping between 12 and back to 10 how do you find that?
0: Yeah, so I played a little bit of 12 for the um, in the World Cup uh, with the under-21s. Okay. Um, so I played a little bit of 12 there, a um, little bit at school. Not much, but, um, yeah, and then major, it was just all 10. Uh, 10 and 15 um, in Newcastle. Played a bit in 15. Uh, and then, yeah, went to Leinster. It was just pretty much solely 10. Um, came over to the Wasps as as a 10 and then when Cipriani came in, um there was an opportunity to play two ball players and yeah, I sort of have been twelve ever since and then twelve I'm a now I'm a twelve that plays ten um when I need to. Yeah. Um normally the older you get, you come back in because you get slower. But <laughs> I've gone the other way. Um I've played end up for WAS I've played ten, twelve, thirteen and fifteen. So I've only haven't
1: played on the wing or at nine for the Wasp, so I've nearly done the back one. Yeah. And how do you find it? I know 12 is, as you say, like a second playmaker. It's very close to a 10 these days, but how do you find the difference between you're at 12 this week or you're at 10 this week? Is there much of a difference for you?
0: Uh, not really. Um, 10, if I'm at 10 this week, I know my body's going to be a bit better uh, come Sunday morning because 12 is... Uh, um, you yeah, know your double figures tackles double figures hitting rucks you're chasing the ball on kick chases whereas 10 you kick the ball just hang down the back and pass the ball make a cut the few old tackles so it's definitely um you've got to be uh your mindset's more sort of physically um at 12 than than you are at 10 but i i try and play the game exactly as i would as a 10 anyway so with um you Know identifying opportunities, communication, my kicking game, etc.
1: Yeah, and it's like kind of free flowing. Like, if you're there with Jacob Umanga at 10 or you're 12, it's pretty. Do you have a kind of um pretty free flowing, like you can just step in in front of him and drop behind and kind of interchangeable?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's wherever we are on the pitch. Um, you know, if, if we go wide and I bounce out of a rock and Oh, all of a sudden I'm at, I'm at first receiver, he'll just hold it to a uh, second receiver. So yeah, we don't try and cross over. If it just works out in those positions, then yeah, we, we know um, what each other are trying to achieve and, and the framework. So it's, it's
1: seen, it fits in seamlessly. Yeah, nice. And have you always been a goal kicker?
0: Yeah, ever since I was a little kid. Uh, always loved it. I was always kicking um, from a lawn over the over the fence. Over, we had a, a, like a big old volleyball at home and I just smash it over that. And then my dad built some uh, goalposts in the back, uh, sort of in, we got like a, we're off a farm. So I had a big paddock out the back by a house. So he put some goalposts up there and, you know, I was always at school during break, uh, kicking goals. Just always loved it. Um, Always enjoyed that part of the game. Yeah. And did you
1: enjoy the pressure always?
0: um yeah like when i was young when i was real young i'd always used to nail every kick from the sideline but miss in front
1: <laughs> that, that <laughs> seems uh, to be common was, i've seen that a lot from um, young so as well. funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think because you got no pressure out, out wide yeah and you're like oh, i want to get this i want to get this um it used to be the old common thread but um yeah no i've always i've always just enjoyed the moment i think because I was, I trained a lot, uh, used to kick a lot, and I just got so comfortable with my own technique that, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the, the pressure of some of those big kicks.
1: Yeah, and so recently you have kind of launched the Jimmy G kicking Tee, the tee that you've used for a long time, but how did, how did that come about?
0: Yeah, so it's a pretty cool story, actually. It was um, just before lockdown, uh, um, sort of around April, um, what a couple of years ago now, before uh, all these lockdowns. I just got a random message on um, on Facebook, and it was a guy called George Simpkin, and he was um, a real pioneer of um, a lot to do with rugby. Um, you know, he he was the first guy to, to invent the kicking tee, so the kicking tee I used was called the Simpkin tee. Um, he, he invented that, he invented things like, you know, with the sevens rugby, if you score a try, you restart again and all of that kind of things. He invented, um, the bigger goalpost pads. anyway, he, um, he just randomly got in contact with me on Facebook and he sent a message like, look, you we've never met before. I'm George Simpkin of, um, I designed and, uh, designed your kicking tee, um, you know, your success has been mine of watched your career right throughout. Um, if you want to have a chat, um, I've got some interesting stuff I'd like to share with you. Um, give us a ring. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty random. But um, I thought, oh, yeah, why not give me a message back? And then we ended up having some great conversations. Um, and it, it got to a stage, is like, all right, um, you know, I've only got a few more months to live. Oh. you got terminal cancer. And i was a bit like whoa like okay um you know this is this is pretty deep now i'm like um and he was like i've um watched your career the whole time and just love how you kick and you've always used my tea and um you know obviously i stopped uh i stopped you i stopped producing them in 2010 that's another story but how, it, how, it, how that happened because i was trying to find them for years but and he was like, look, I want to, to give you the rights to, to reproduce the tea and use your name. Um, so I was pretty blown away by it. And so, you know, over the next few weeks, we again had some great conversations. And, you know, and then unfortunately, he just he passed pretty quickly. Um, and through that, and he, he before that, he was like, you know, I really would like to see it out before I pass. But obviously COVID hit, and I just couldn't. I couldn't get it going. Um, everything was just taking so long, and um, you know, it was just really disappointing. I couldn't, I couldn't get it going before he passed away. But you know, I just thought, you know, I have to do it. Um, you know, if someone gives you an opportunity like that, um, I needed to to try and resource it and, and see what I can do. So um, I had the had the good guys over in Ireland. Um, uh, a couple guys over there who do 3d uh mouthguards impact mm. um so they they were good enough to to draw up a 3d model and and got it going and end up getting uh, a company in china to to do it all up and um yeah they finally come over and now
1: the jimmy gt is is out there for everyone to to use geez that's um that's a cool story and cool that he reached out to you and yeah awesome that you have them going now so where can people get them? Online? Yeah, so it's online
0: at uh, uh So I ship worldwide as well, so you can get on there. Um, obviously, I'm working with a few, talking to a few distributors and stuff that uh, that want to stop them. So I'm just trying to get them out there just at the moment. Yeah, just online. And I've got a garage full of kicking tees. And uh, po- the missus has helped me uh, post them out daily, which is it's pretty cool to see them flying out the door and, you know, I've used the tee right throughout my whole career. So, you know, 20-odd years I've been using that kicking tee and, um, you yeah, know, it's brought me a lot of success um, the way the way I kick. And, you know, it's not just you can use it on different angles. It's not just how I use it. Uh, you can straight up and down traditional way. And it's, it, it's really nice on the foot because it's made out of um, thermoplastic rubber it's not plastic like some of these tees you get now. So sometimes you kick on those plastic tees, you hit the ball, and it bloody hurts your foot. Yeah. Um. So, you know, these ones, it, it's kind of really nice and soft, and it's a it's a low tee, but it's got a double double action, so it can go lower than you want as well. But it's um, yeah, it's just it fits really well, and yeah, I've always really really enjoyed kicking off it. Yeah,
1: and it was a three golden boots as well, so it's worth it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've done a right off of it to be
1: fair. Yeah, And um you mentioned there I know kickers like friends of mine and they all have their tea and it's like they have that one tea that that works for them or whatever. But when what happened after twenty ten? Like you couldn't get it anymore. Was there any times where you needed to source one?
0: Mate, I when I moved to new uh moved over here, so two thousand and nine, I obviously got my agent um I I brought as many as I could in New Zealand found a few so I had about four or five um and I was like mate try and find me some more like surely like where are they and so he tracked a couple more down sent them over but mate I was gluing them I was taping them up I have a lunch like a a, an old um, ice cream container I keep my teas in there (laughs) there was um there was a, a ball boy in Newcastle. He's sitting on the uh, sideline. I'm in the, in the middle of the game. In the corner of my eye, I catch him just going like this with my teeth. And I was like, the game was going I turned. turn. I was like, Oi, stop. <laughs> I was like, I've only got a few of them left. So from then on, like the ball boys weren't allowed to touch my teeth. Um, only only sort of our trainers, because they knew they weren't allowed to, you know, weren't allowed to bend them. Yeah. And, um, oh, I treated them like, Better than better than I treat uh, treat some of my prized possessions. It was um, it was right up there with I had to look after them and um, so even in the last few years I've been just yeah hanging on to to them and uh, my kit man at Wossy was always looking after them. Like we had a we had a famous victory um, during the lockdown against Saracens away. You know we took a bunch of it was me and a few others with a bunch of our kids against a full stacked series team, and, and we managed to win. And everyone was celebrating so hard. I was like, got to the change room. I was like, oh, pudsy, uh, Kipman. I was like, oh, where's my tea? Um, and I put it back in my box. And he was like, oh, yeah. And no one could find it anywhere. And I was like, it was like this big, like, where's this tea. It be tea. <laughs> where's this tea? And I was running around trying to find it. And someone had put it in the rubbish bin beside our, our dugout. And, like, when everyone was, like, um, you know, just fully celebrating, it just got picked up and put in the rubbish bin. But, thankfully, uh, we found it. But, um, yeah, because, you know, going to that story why they came, he stopped making them 2010 because they were shifting um, some of the, the the molds and stuff to a different factory on the back of the truck, and this truck crashed, oh. and they lost everything. Oh. Um, and so he and George Simpkin was like, oh, well, I've been producing this tea for years and years and years, so I've sort of done my dash um, and never sort of got the mold done again. And and that's why uh, from 2010, we couldn't find them anymore. But yeah, it was mad dash for a few years. So I'm pretty thankful now. I've yeah, actually, uh,
1: I've got my teeth. Have as know? many as you want. Yeah, probably some uh, bitter Saris boy saw it and then was like uh saw it yeah maybe maybe But thankfully i found it yeah uh, it's pretty cool stories yeah for sure and um, then on instagram i see as well that you're helping kind of younger players as well through your kicking academy
0: yeah so obviously um yeah there's never growing up as a kid there was never any specific coaching um through kicking and, you know, it was just sort of the, the local guy who could sort of kick. And coming over here, I felt it's even probably worse. You know, guys just don't really know the, how to teach the, the basic skills. And um, so I thought, you know, why not give back and um, help help the younger generation and, and sort of hone their skills and just give them the sort of skill set to, to be able to just, you know, kick and, and enjoy kicking. Um and so, yeah, no, I've been doing that for a few years now and really enjoy it. Um, it's kind of hard. It's, uh, I feel feel bad sometimes because I get so many requests, but, you know, trying to fit them in all in the schedule is um, pretty tough these days, and um, especially now with winter. These, you know, just this week I've had like four or five, like, I'm oh, trying to get in. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get them in before Christmas. But, um, you know, it, it is good to, to try and give back.
1: Yeah. And so what do you do with it? Like, people DM you, but, like, do you jump on – one-on-one calls or do you have like a course or how does it work?
0: So I've got two options. I can do, um, an online, an online course, which is, it's, it's as simple as they'll go and video, video themselves kicking. I'll give them a couple angles I want to see. And then they send me the videos. I've got this, um, sort of coach coaching tool, mm. uh, like an app that I can do. And I break their, um, their sort of technique down. Uh, I like on a voiceover and I can, Draw, draw things, et cetera. I can throw them different videos of te- like um, sort of technique and, and sort of uh, practices to do and just sort of give them tips that way um, or I do a straight one-on-one um, yeah. whereas I'll, I'll meet up with them uh, and we'll do a good hour of kicking and I'll give them exactly the same with the video feedback and um, it's been very positive. Um, everyone that I've done it with have, have been um, very positive with their feedback and saying it's really helped them so it's yeah it's pretty cool
1: geez that's awesome yeah i can only imagine how much that would help um yeah having it broken down and everything and i saw as well that you were coaching like grassroots like not one-on-one kicking but like actual coaching a team i forget the name but yeah and old edwardians
0: yeah i've been with them for five years mate um Oh, I love it, mate. It's, it's classic old grassroots rugby. Uh, There's a good bunch of lads that live for Saturday. They yeah. live for that game on Saturday. Um, they're really passionate about playing well for their club and winning. And so, you know, we get good numbers at training. And I've brought guys along the the ropes. So when I first started, um, a Scrum Half Craig Hampson were, um, came and coached with me. Then he moved on. I had Ashley Johnson, a Springbok, oh, yeah. come. He coached with me, and this year James Gaskell was um, coaching alongside me. So, you know, we we, we help them out as much as we can, and um, I I love it on game day. If we, yeah, you know, it's quite kind of hard with we're playing and stuff, but if we get to go, um, yeah, they're doing really well. So we're top of the league at the moment uh, by about four or five points. So hopefully uh, we can continue and get promotion to the to the next league and. Um, the boys would be pretty happy so we won won the Warwickshire Cup at the start of the year um, so we've already got one trophy in the bag and the boys are, are pretty keen to try and get
1: another one nice one and uh, as a player you seem pretty calm and composed how are you as a coach yeah um,
0: it's so hard yeah yeah you can't do anything um, yeah you know, we get our we don't get our, our games videoed because we like to uh give them feedback and and try and improve them and all you can hear is me yelling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> through the, through the mics and uh you know just seeing different options and like ah, just go that way or do this go I that. but um yeah I, I, I think we're all right we're not too bad we get a bit nervous at times but uh, I think it's just Part and parcel of being a coach.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It's a tough transition. I'm kind of playing myself than coaching. You're just like screaming, pulling your hair out. You can see everything, but yeah, it's funny. Well, you can't do anything, yeah, can you? you can't. So it's
0: like all you can do is like yell an option, but you're not out there playing. So you gotta,
1: you gotta have trust in, in what they're trying to do. Yeah, hundred percent. What I've learned some recently is um, just the importance of half time. Like, obviously, as a coach, you, as you say, you can't do anything, but then. I was just working with a coach developer and he was saying like, make this your best halftime ever. And what, what are the kind of two key points that will make a difference in the second half. So really just kind of focuses you in and help me like, instead of during the first half trying to be animated, it's like, right, how can I be so good at halftime? Because then you can have a little bit of an impact and then say pre-match, mm-hmm. you know, are there, I used to just give so many points. Like, did you ever find that a coach, like they say, do this, and there's like yeah. a list, A to eight Z. Oh, is is it? Yeah,
0: it's like you get, you get halfway down this and you've forgotten. Yeah, it's like, mate, just give me one attack point and one defensive point and let me go. Exactly. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And yeah, so I try and do that with my attack uh, coaching as well, because otherwise you just you just stuff in the head full of so many options, and they they will
1: just half ass. Yeah, they won't be able to do everything 100%. Yeah, they get overwhelmed. It's like, and then you feel as a coach, well, I told them these 10 things to do and they didn't do number nine. So, but yeah, you're not actually coaching. And have any plans for after, well, whenever you do hang up the boots, do you you like coaching that much? You might get into it or any plans around that?
0: Yeah, um, look, I I do enjoy coaching. Um, I'm so... I don't know. It's probably my mentality of being too late. I'm pr- I'm too laid back to, to make a decision of what I actually want to do, uh, which my missus is tearing the hair out. You've <laughs> got to make a decision what you want to do. I'm like, oh, ah. you know, it'll be all right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for me, coaching will just come. Um, I think if I'm going to be a coach, it's, I'll just fall into it. Um, if that's taken a few years, um, out of if once I retire, if I take a few years out first and just do what I'm doing, sort of like now our local club rugby and, and just sort of, you know, I haven't had, um, for 20 odd years, I've had never had a, you know, I've never been able to say, Oh, this weekend, let, yeah, let's go to a barbecue and hang out. And, you know, missus comes home for, oh, I was come home from work on a Friday night. Oh, let's sit down and have a glass, of, a few glasses of wine. I've never been able to do that yeah. because I've always got something on for the weekend. Um, and so, you know, it's if I take a few years out to to sort of just relax a little bit before I fully immerse myself into coaching, that may be a point, but you know, I might just run into something straight away which yeah, you can't turn down. But um it's definitely an option. It's definitely an option. I do I do really enjoy giving back um to players. Um yeah, it's these days the coaches are are in
1: in work seems like forever. Yeah. They're never away from work. Yeah. That's not a good side of it, yeah. And you say they're laid back, and are you like that around your plane. Yeah, yeah, pretty much.
0: I think um, I I take things as as they come. I don't, I don't try and get over um, too overexcited. You know, I'm pretty um, you probably see me play like I wear my heart on my sleeve, and yeah, you know, I'm I'm hundred hundred percent. I'm always in um, going for it, and but I don't. It's really, um, I don't go off at players around me. Um, I try and, I'm pretty calm when I speak to guys. Um, just, I think, growing up um, with a lot of guys around, sort of playing with a lot of Ireland island, um, rugby players, um, you know, sometimes if you go off at them, they'll, they'll shut down mm. and there's certain type, certain people that do that. Um, so I've just been, you know, sort of been able to, learn of, of how to to speak to different people i know which guys like to have you know a, a rocket up their ass but other guys if you give them a rocket up their ass they will shut down and then you won't get the best out of them so i try and sort of treat everyone like that and just sort of during the game just be very calm and in my sort of the way i talk to people and um i do find you get the most out of people doing it that way
1: yeah for sure and that's yeah, so important as you say about knowing how to talk to different people.
0: Yeah, it's huge, mate. It's huge because everyone's different, and everyone reacts different. And that's the key to, to just knowing your teammates, knowing uh, um, how they how they like to be taught, taught to, and how they react to to different messages and in, in different ways.
1: Hey, so just a quick heads up. The audio for the last three minutes or so of the chat is a little bit scratchy and a little bit off. I'll explain why at the end after the chat, but just wanted to let you know. And do you get nervous around games or feel pressure?
0: Um, I think the day I get don't get nervous is the day I probably think, you know, I need to give it up because... I'm probably taking. I think yeah, you got to ask yourself why. Um, because when you're a little, it means it means it means something. It means uh, you know you've you've done your homework. You're you're you know you're itching to get out there. Um, you know when when you're not you're too relaxed that's when you're probably um, going to be behind the eight ball very, very quickly.
1: Yeah. And have you always dealt with the nerves well? Or is there every time you're younger and, say, like you get crippled by them or get anxious and it would affect your performance? Uh, I used to get really nervous. Young,
0: um, you're thinking, I need to to do this to to perform to keep that uh yeah, you know, i think every player goes through that um that part of their life and as you as you grow as a player and as you grow as a person you understand that you understand season um, and what you need to do to perform um at your best every week
1: yeah that's great advice and um what has been your happiest period of your career
0: i don't know i just i just really enjoy the camaraderie of of a a team a rugby team you know obviously in in New Zealand and Wellington and um, you know really the rugby was tough in in Newcastle but the people the people are are from that era and um, the people are unbelievable I've really enjoyed Dublin uh, the whole culture the the rugby um, and, and it was you know it's 2017 i probably played arguably my best season of my life and um yeah, you know, it's been here ever since and um, to still be playing this game at uh the tinder eight
1: Yeah. And and uh what's what's the secret before I let you go? Like how you seem to be getting better. Like as you say in twenty seventeen you're wasn't a Premiership Player of the Year, players player of the year, and yeah, you seem to just keep getting better and better.
0: having a love for the game. Um I understand my body. I understand what I need to do to, to be in the business. But so I'm really aware of um, of rugby and having different goals outside of rugby as if whatever that is. And because, like most young people, I used to think of rugby 24-7. Like, it was just, I'd watch rugby, I'd, I'd think rugby, and just, but now I finish rugby, i do my, my, do my homework and then, you know, I'll just switch off. i got my family and um, that's why surfing was a big, always been a big part of my um, sort of my my sort of success because I can go and jump in the ocean and I don't think of rugby whatsoever. And that's what I do when I play golf or I'm with my family. I don't think about rugby. Um, and having that switch, it allows it to be mentally Training or, or a game, that switch will go on, and it's not on 24/7, um, which that, that switch is on 24/7. And you can just burn it A big um, a big help for me to be still um, right throughout these uh, throughout these years. Still win, mate! I still want to win trophies. Finals and had way too many uh silver medals.
1: A lot of hours go into making this podcast each week. If you enjoy listening to the pod and would like to support me in making it and making sure that it keeps coming out, I have a Patreon page and there's a supporters tier. You can sign up, it's monthly and I don't know what currency you're in, but it'll be a very, very small amount. But that support would mean so so much to me. Also, if you're an ambitious player or someone who's interested in self-development, if you're a coach and you want to help your players on the mental side of the game, I have a tier called The First Fifteen. And on this tier, you'll get extra podcasts from me based around mental skills, sports psychology that will help you become more confident, more accountable, develop stronger self-belief and give you tools to deal with adversity. I sometimes put out bite-sized, like shorter versions of these Patreon-only podcasts so you can listen into them to get an idea. And there's a third tier, uh, one-on-one mentorship tier, for if you want to do exactly that, work one-on-one with me so that I can help you become the player that you know you can be and achieve your goals. Lastly, if you're a coach or involved with a team and you think it's important for players to be confident, have self-belief, be mentally strong send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at offfieldrugby and we'll chat about what I can do to help your team become exactly that. Hey, so apologies for the sound quality for the last three minutes or so. At the time when we were recording, I thought that it was the internet connection. And this sometimes happens, but after when you download the audio files, they always come out perfect. But... What actually happened during this was Jimmy's AirPods started dying. So the sound started crackling. So anyway, as I was hearing the crackling, as we were chatting, I didn't say anything because I was thinking any second now, this will go again and everything will be okay. But it wasn't. And then after the fact, I found out we were like, oh, he's checked his AirPods. And I was like, oh, they're they're not they're dying or whatever. But good learning for me. I'm always learning as I go. And I left in that poor sound part because I think you can understand it, I could anyway, and what Jimmy was saying was unreal. So everyone gets nervous, but a lot of people suffer with nerves. I think a big part of why people suffer is because they feel nerves in their belly, that feeling, and then they tell themselves, oh no, I'm nervous, this doesn't feel good, oh no. And then what happens is they get in their head and things spiral. They start getting anxious and then that anxiety can lead you to not being able to eat, not being able to sleep, and it can really, really affect your performance. But if you rewind it back, nerves start with a feeling in your stomach. So when you get that feeling in your stomach, what you can do is, and what you should do, is tell yourself this is a good thing smile and relax. Breathe deeply and think about how much you love playing rugby and how excited you are for the game that's coming up. You can then start to visualize the game that's coming up while still smiling, breathing deeply and relaxing. And by doing this, you will change the consequences of the nervous energy from being something that is really detrimental to your performance to something that's actually really really positive Jimmy was saying how he thinks that the day he doesn't get nervous Is the day he needs to give up And next week I'm chatting with Robbie Henshaw And the pod is already recorded Sorry I'm not chatting Next week's episode is with Robbie And he talks about kind of some similar things at a certain point point. And going back to Jimmy This is coming from a 38 year old who's played with Jonah Lomu Won a championship with Brian O'Driscoll and been named Premiership Player of the Year. So what you can do now is accept that you'll get nervous. Sometimes it'll be be more. Sometimes you might barely feel it. But just accept now that it'll happen. And when it does, see it as a good thing and use it to work for you by channeling that energy effectively. And this, of course, will take time. It's not like flicking a switch. It's not something that just you just changed in an instant. This is a mental skill. And any mental skill is just like a physical skill. It takes repetition and practice. And slowly but surely over time, you get much better at it. So the goal is to get much better at dealing with or processing that feeling in your stomach because what that feeling is is just an automatic response to a perceived threat it's uh the fight or flight it's just a thing we've evolved with over millions of years to help us in the past and it's just going to happen so yeah just accept it and practice how to deal with it best another thing jimmy talked about was when he's not playing rugby he's not thinking about rugby And that has really helped him stay mentally fresh and keep performing at the top level for all these years. So when he's out in the water surfing, he's just thinking about the next wave. Or if he's golfing, he's thinking about that. Or if he's with his family, he's present with them. It's really common for younger players to obsess about rugby. Think about it 24-7. I know I certainly did, and Jimmy mentions that he did a bit when he was younger. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to accept that if you think about something you want less, that you'll actually have a better chance of getting it. But this is true. Say you want to play well at the weekend, like we all do. If you're thinking about playing well at the weekend 24-7, you're building it up in your head hugely. And by doing this, you're putting pressure on yourself. So then when it comes to the game, you'll probably be in your head a lot. You'll be thinking, I got to make this tackle, I got to make this play here. And something that I learned a few years back, which has been really helpful in all areas of life, is to be where your feet are. So what this means is that wherever your feet are, wherever you are, that's where your focus, attention and thoughts are. It's a tool for being present. So say you're in class, you're focusing on that. If you're with your friends, You're engaged with them, and you're not thinking about what might happen at the weekend or on your phone. And if you're reviewing your game from the weekend, that's what your focus is on, and that's what you're thinking about. And you're not thinking about what was happening in class earlier today. I find that being present throughout the day helps so much. It clears a lot of the mental chatter and helps you perform better at whatever it is you're doing. Playing and coaching being two things for me but it's certainly not a black and white thing. And like I just mentioned earlier, it's a mental skill. So like physical skills, this is something that you can actively work on as much as you want. And like physical skills, mental skills, you can never not get better. Like the best kicker in the world still practices their kicking quite a lot. And the most spiritual Buddhist monk still practices meditation become even more present. So keep working on being where your feet are. It's worth the effort for the mental peace that it gives and how much it helps your performance. Thanks for clicking in today. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Cheers.